From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here, and as always, Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Jeff, how old are your kids? We've talked about them before. How old are they? Eight and 10. Eight and 10. So your oldest is 10. My oldest is 12, almost 13 which means in five years, she'll be 17, which means you're seven years away from 17. Did you see the age of the person who hacked into Twitter a couple weeks ago? 17, 17, a 17-year-old mastermind. So we have a couple more years before our kids are truly smarter than us. My wife and I joke, half joke, that my daughter is 12 and she's using all this stuff on her phone and we try to monitor it, but I'm sure she's outsmarting us nonetheless but that was just fascinating to see a 17 year old met up with some people uh, ballpark the same age or a little bit younger and they they literally called twitter got on the helpline and got incredibly sensitive information as they worked their way up the chain that was released them over the phone and that was all they needed to create the um bitcoin scam that they did they apparently made a hundred thousand dollars to pretty much throw away their futures so just a sad story but amazing at the same time Anyway, with that out of the way, um, Jeff, how's life up in Boston? Life's good. We're, uh, you know, it's not too hot, um, which is good. I know you, you get a little bit of a break in the super hot weather this week. Yeah, I don't think any day is 90 this week, and it was in the mid-90s last week. So that's, um, that's good. It's, uh, it's still pretty humid, though, just walking in a little bit because <laughs> I thought it was supposed to feel cooler, and it didn't feel that much cooler. But um, anyway, so Jeff, maybe we've got some more personal things to discuss. I have a Volvo update. A lot of you have been reaching out. I'm not going to do that quite yet. I'll do that a little bit later. Um, but let's just dive in, Jeff, because there's a ton of stuff going on. And last week was a really, really busy week as well. You know, this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to take a look at kind of seasonality. These next couple of months potentially can be troublesome. Some signs of sentiment getting a little frothy. Again, maybe a contrarian sign for a, the eventual well-deserved break that we've been talking about for, for what feels like a while now. Also, gold flirting with $2,000 an ounce, all-time highs as we speak. Kind of do a roundup of last week. We're going to look at the Fed. We're going to look at the U.S. dollar. And then those incredibly strong earnings we saw out of the technology and communication stocks last up. Because we're going to last Thursday and then Friday's reaction. And then maybe kind of finish it up with the COVID-19 update along with kind of where Congress stands with the potential fifth um, stimulus package. So, Jeff, again, first things first, Last uh, this week's weekly market commentary. Got it in front of me here. We titled it calendar concerns and gold gains i mean jeff i'll talk about the calendar in a second but what's kind of your one worry right now from a stock's point of view we're up a lot i mean what kind of worries you why it's time for maybe that pullback or consolidation period and then i'll talk about seasonality after you're done yeah for, first uh, i was very disappointed that my proposed title gold glistens was oh. rejected by our editorial team yeah. but uh yeah, gold gain still works. Uh, yeah, let's just, let's talk about that for a second. They actually said it sounded too Vegasy. You know, I said I like Vegas. I haven't been there in a while. I don't think I go anytime soon. But gold glistens. I don't know. I, you know, hey, the title is the title. We're trying to get people's eyeballs and attention. But nonetheless, we better be nice because they're probably going to listen to this. And we, we, our editorial and communications team makes us look much better than we really are. So we appreciate all their help. But you know, gold is glistening. Maybe we'll use it on the podcast. Anyway, back to you, yes. Jeff. Very, very talented uh, team uh, that we have there on the communication side. So, you know, the, the, the biggest 
concern, this won't surprise anybody, is the spread of COVID-19 and that, that slows the recovery. We've already seen over the last month or so evidence that the uh, trajectory of um, timely economic data has leveled off. We got evidence of that last week with the increase in weekly jobless claims. Perhaps more concerning than the increase in weekly claims was the increase in continuing claims, which captures the number of people on unemployment, not just newly added uh, people requesting unemployment insurance. So, uh, you know, the economy's slowing down a little bit, uh, leveling off, plateauing, and, uh, you know, that suggests maybe at least in the short term that stocks are uh, due for a bit of a break. Yeah, uh, good points there. And then we'll talk a little bit about seasonality here. So, well, actually, let's talk about last month, just very, very high level. Uh, continued strong gains, right? The S&P gained 5.5% the month of July. Those technology names, consumer discretionary did really well. I was somewhat surprised. Utilities actually had a really good month um, as well. But some of the previous leaders, the growth names keep doing well. NASDAQ obviously outperforming as well with a good chunk of that uh, being growth. But then you flip the calendar. We'll have this chart in this week's weekly market commentary and in the show notes on LPL.com. Uh, where you can find some more details on our podcast. But the next two months, August and September, historically have been some of the troublesome months. The last 10 years, actually, Jeff, August is the worst month of the year. Now, trust me, that you know, only a slice of 10, and you could argue some randomness there, but I'd point out July was one of the strong, and we mentioned this actually a couple of weeks ago, July was one of the <clears throat> strongest months the last 10 years. And actually, the, the historically, the kind of that bounce you tend to see in the summer, and that, oh boy, that sure played out. So that's something to be aware of. And then you've got September coming up, which has seen some spectacular crashes. We're not anticipating a spectacular crash, but I guess those next two months are something to be aware of from a calendar point of view. But let's talk about market sentiment for a second, Jeff. I mean, I, I, I traded options for 11 years, so looking at market sentiment's a big part of kind of how I view the world. And there are some absolute pockets of optimism with stocks up as much as they are with some of these you know, high momentum names doing as well as they've done and the tech names, which we'll get to in a second. It makes sense there's some optimism out there. Uh, put the call ratios, which the option traders are thinking are the most optimistic they've been since right before the market peaked back in uh, February. Um, some other sentiment polls that show active investors are the most invested they've been in stocks in late since late last year. Uh, you know, and just the optimism that we're seeing, I think, from some of the day trading momentum crowd uh, those are what concern me. On the sentiment front, is there anything I miss there or kind of something that's got your attention, Jeff, on things feeling a little too frothy right here? Well, stocks are a little bit overvalued here based on mm -hmm. additional valuation metrics, right? When you look at the P.E. ratio, price earnings, either on next 12 months or 2021 estimates. So um, that certainly reflects optimism. You know, some people think we're in a bubble. Um, Right. I would just say that you know, about 40% of the S&P 500 is doing really, really well fundamentally. You know, that's kind of the work from home, stay at home trade, right? The, the tech names, the social media, you know, that extend e-commerce, uh, interactive entertainment, all of that is doing great. That's about 40% of the S&P. So, you know, the, you could you could argue that stocks are expensive. We wouldn't debate that, but um, it's it's also hard to argue that you know, fundamentals aren't really, really good for a significant portion of the of the overall market. Right. I mean, that reminds me of Brian Fantana from Anchorman who said, you know, 50% of the time it works every time. If 
Actually, no, I guess the quote was exactly 60% of the time it works every time, according to that. But you mentioned 40% of the companies uh, doing quite well. Um, you know, you talk about froth. I mean, just kind of what happened last week with Kodak rings a bell. Kodak was a $100 million market cap company. They get a 600, I'm sorry, $765 million loan from the government to create a, to become a pharmaceutical startup company. They have eight years to make pharmaceutical supplies. Not surprisingly, their stock price went nuts. I mean, that, that doesn't mean the stock market has to peak, but boy, when you start to see some things like that, you kind of wonder, hmm, that's a little strange. And that, that just kind of adds up to the whole uh, feeling, at least in my opinion, that there's, there's quite a good bit of froth um, and maybe a near term Correction makes sense. But Jeff, let's go to part two. So that's this week's weekly market commentary, calendar concerns, and gold gains. And on this podcast, we'll say gold glistens. Let's talk about gold. I know we did talk about it last week, but it is such a um, just an important thing, I guess, from an investment point of view, is our advisors are asking a lot of questions. Gold just keeps going up. The dollar had one of its worst months it's ever had last month, down almost 4%, which 4% might not sound like a big move. In currency land, that's a huge move. I mean, Jeff, what do you think? Gold's flirting with two, two, that's last night. We're recording this Monday. So last night, Sunday evening, gold is right around 2000 or flirting with it. It has sold off a little bit from there. Um, why is gold at all time highs, you think, in, in, you know, in a nutshell? Yeah, well, you, you hit on one, Ryan, which is the weaker dollar. Right? Gold trades inverse to the dollar typically. We also have very low interest rates, and the Fed is going to keep them low for a very long time. We heard that last week. Exactly. And, you know, geopolitical risk, uh, economic uncertainty remains very high. You know, even though the stock market's doing great, there's, there's just no doubt that um, the path of the virus is uncertain. And it's beyond that. It's, you know, U.S.-China tensions are ratcheting higher. Uh, there's certainly a lot of um, uncertainty around uh, that relationship, as well as just the general path of the um, U.S. economy. So there are a number of reasons to like gold here. You know, you could say it's probably like, like the NASDAQ. The fundamentals are still great, but at some point you're probably going to see consolidation, uh, maybe a little bit of a pullback. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. So, so that, that's a good roundup, I think, of this week's weekly market commentary. And you can check that out um, on LPL.com. And we'll be sharing it on Twitter as well. Let's maybe move forward, Jeff, kind of take a look at last week. Uh, we're going to talk about the Fed. We said we might not say too much on the Fed, but I think it's worth pointing out. And you kind of touched on it already. That's what reminded me of this. I mean, was there anything that Jerome Powell said last week at the Fed decision where they left rates at zero, had a Q&A session, market seemed to take it right in stride, Anything that stood out to you that uh, is worth talking about before we move forward? Well, I think the most interesting thing was that they previewed changes to their framework in September. There's more yep. that's come out on that over the weekend uh, that, you know, they're not going to just raise rates preemptively to stop future inflation anymore, right? That's getting a lot of press. That's a big deal, right? I mean, that could suggest, um, you know, rates might not, um, you know, might not rise in 2022 or 2023. You know, they might, they might just wait until they actually see the whites of the eyes of inflation uh, before acting. So September's meeting and statement will be really interesting because we'll get more uh, on, uh, on their changes to their framework. 
Yeah, what we've said before, this is not your father's Fed. The Fed has absolutely teed, put the ball on the tee for September to make some fairly significant changes like you just talked about. And clearly, we'll, we'll talk more about those. I mean, I guess it caught me, Jerome Powell, in the Q&A, talked about, I believe he actually read our weekly market commentary from last week. You can see what he said. He talked about some of the real-time data, things like small business employment, hotel occupancy, and uh, credit card spending have all slowed uh, from May from May to June, some of the themes, again, we talked about the real-time data slowing. Uh, he also talked openly about the path of the virus as a key of the economy. I mean, we, we released our mid-year outlook, I guess, what, three weeks ago tomorrow, and we said the path of what happened with the virus is such an important factor for the economy and the stock market. And sure enough, he, he read our mid-year outlook as well. And then he, he continued to say the ball is in Congress's court, um, you know, for the next potential, or I guess we'll call it the fifth um, fiscal plan um, as it pertains to, uh, you know, potentially helping those people that have been impacted by this. So again, nothing too out of the ordinary, but let's talk about the U.S. dollar for maybe a little bit more, Jeff, because this is kind of partially in with what he was talking about. U.S. dollar, again, had one of its worst months it's ever had. U.S. dollar near two-year lows. I think, I'll say this much about Europe, then I'll flip it to you. Partially what's going on is Europe has uh, seen some improvement as they're fighting COVID-19. The Euro's has been really strong as a result of this. And again, if the Euro is strong, historically that uh, takes away from the dollar. So you see a little bit of dollar weakness. So it might not be so much the US is, is quote unquote weak, but maybe Europe's getting a little bit better and that's pressuring the dollar. What else do you think about the dollar is important to point out here, Jeff? Yeah, the the deficit here in the US is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, that's that's, the secret <laughs> that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. an understatement. Um, you know, you just added a, a few trillion in stimulus, and we'll probably get another trillion plus in stimulus here over the next couple of weeks when um, Democrats and Republicans eventually come together. At least that's our view. Uh, historically, there is a relationship, though, with a pretty big lag between deficits and the dollar. So the um, you know expanding deficits in the U.S. should drive dollar weakness in the future, but it could be you know, with a, a year or two lag. All right, yeah, good points there. So, you know, last week, Jeff, I guess the other big headline, like you talked about the claims data stubbornly going higher, uh, continuing claims, we saw almost a jump of a million, up to 17 million, that was unexpected. So some, some weakness uh, starting to show up, but the GDP number, we had that GDP number down nearly 33% annualized, which would be, we talked about it last week, it's the worst GDP print anyone's seen in, if they're listening to this podcast, it's likely the worst GDP print they've ever seen in their lifetime. Was there anything in the GDP number, Jeff, that caught you that's worth pointing out? I'll just simply say consumer spending was down like 35%. Tell people to stay inside. I don't think it's too big of a shock that consumption was down a record as well. But anything in the GDP number that we should point out? Well, it's good that it's behind us. I think the fact that the stock market rallied last week just reflects that it was already baked into expectations. The um, historical stock market playbook, and you know this better than anybody, Ryan, is, is to buy the troughs, right? Right. And down 35%, you know, that's annualized. We were only down about 9% quarter over quarter, but that, that is the right. trough. There's no doubt that is the trough. And so, um, you know, that's uh, certainly been uh, recognized by the market here and is a big reason why we're up 45% plus uh, off the lows because the markets said that that was uh, as bad as it got, was going to get, not just in terms of economic growth, but in terms of earnings growth as well. 
Yeah, I think the actual playbook is something along the lines of buy the bottom and sell the top. It's not uh, nearly as easy as that sounds, though. But, you know, speaking of things to buy and sell, here's my Volvo update. You guys have been asking for it, so here it is. I would not, I would not advise buying a Volvo. Um, I dropped my car off because, remember, it's a long story short here. Had some major leaks in the back of my car. Didn't even know it. Fried the computer. Took my car to Volvo. It took seven weeks to get my car back. Got my car back, I guess, two Mondays ago. Yeah, I think two Mondays ago. Turn it on at Volvo right there. All these errors turn up. The guy is shocked there's errors turning up. Oh, that wasn't there earlier. It is now. And sure enough, last week, here's a real update. Last week, we had a bunch of rain. And yes, there was a bunch of water in the back of my car still. Um, now I know where to look in the back right. And, and there, so, the, so whatever they fixed, they didn't fix. And it's just a big mess. I took the car there. They have this neat valet service where they come pick it up at your house. I didn't do this before. So the guy comes, picks up last Wednesday. We're recording. He took, picked it up about 1 o'clock Eastern time Wednesday. He said, oh, someone from Volvo will call you as soon as it gets back to see where this is going. It is Monday at um, 1030 as we're recording this call. I haven't heard a word from Volvo. I wanted to wait till after the weekend to call him. So now it's been five days. I've heard nothing. My car is there that I spent a ton of money on to fix. It's just a, I don't know, maybe we should make a movie out of it. So it's the, the battle continues. Um, they did give me a loaner, so I'm in no hurry. This car is a lot better than what I have. So anyway, that's the Volvo update. Uh, Jeff, we've got about five minutes here. What else do we want to talk about? Oh, earnings. <laughs> Let's talk about earnings of so the tech earnings last week and um, kind of what we're seeing. Uh, the big tech names. You know, Google, and Facebook, and Amazon, and Apple all had earnings last week. All did amazing, I think is probably a, a good word to uh, to use there. Um, let me see here. So on the reaction, Apple up 10%. This is stock price. Facebook up 8 Amazon up 4 Google did go a little bit lower. Um, but still, Apple announced a 4-for-1 four split. Apple made $11 billion. I thought this was weird. Amazon and Facebook both made $5.2 billion. They made the same amount of money. That was strange. Um, it's actually 75 quarters in a row now of revenue for Amazon in double digits. And Amazon's revenue, Amazon's a trillion dollar company. I don't even know how much above trillion, but it's a trillion dollar company. Amazon's revenue grew 40%. Again, it's the ultimate COVID play, no doubt about it. That was still way above what anybody expected. I mean, Jeff, what do you think about these, I guess we'll, are these the new four horsemen or not? I don't know. But these four uh, tech names, well, I guess technically what Google and Facebook are consumer um, what, what communication stocks. Nonetheless, these four are just an unreal and they're really pulling things higher. What do you think about this? Is it too good? Is it too much, you think, for these four to just pull everything up? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we love to have more diversification. We, we'd love to see a durable economic recovery that can lift the value stocks, right? The, the companies that need a uh, reopened economy to thrive. I mean, clearly the stocks you just mentioned don't need to be reopened. <laughs> don't need a economy uh, thriving. They're doing great as it is. Um, so sure, we wanted to. We want more breadth, uh, right? But you know, I, I think I want to just go back to how strong these numbers were. The S and P 500, of course. You know, we're talking about 500 companies, right? And so 496 of them, <laughs> right? right need to be moved uh, for the, uh, you know, for these four to have impact, right? And so just based on the numbers on Thursday alone, the overall earnings in the S&P 500 jumped three points, three percentage points in the whole wow. index, right? Which has another 496 companies. I think that's, that's amazing. And now we're uh, up about 10 percentage points above where earnings were expected to be 
when reporting season began. So just a huge upside surprise, one of the biggest you'll ever see. You know, we know a lot of companies uh, withdrew guidance heading into earnings season. The analysts, in many cases, were guessing. Well, the analysts' guesses were, were too pessimistic because uh, this is one of the biggest upside surprises to earnings since, since the data began. I was going to say, since the dawn of time, right? <laughs> and, uh, according to our friends at FactSet, at least what I saw, 84, this is as of Friday, 84% of companies in the S&P have beaten um, earnings estimates, and that's the largest since their data at least goes back to 2008. 69% beat on revenue, again, the highest that they've ever seen. Um, just, just truly, truly amazing. But again, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. We said that bar is extremely low. And yes, some of the real-time data has obviously been weakening, and the battle with COVID continues to rage on. But the improvement we've seen in earnings, um, yes, we're still down. What, what's earnings right now, Jeff, in, the, in, in, in this quarter, down 33 or 34% year over year? Something like that, right? Ballpark? It's, that's probably where we'll end up. Mm -hmm. But right okay. now, we're tracking down about 35%. Okay, yeah, so maybe a tad better. But again, when we were talking negative 44, negative 45 a couple of weeks ago, um, obviously a, a pretty significant improvement. Yeah, now, now just a, oh, I don't know. I thought this was interesting. Apple did a stock split. Are you ready for this? In 1987, and they did a stock split in 2000. So there you go. There's another contrarian warning. Now let's also point out though they did a stock split in 2005 and 2014 and things did quite well for several years after those. But I thought that was interesting. So maybe they're we haven't heard we have, you know stock splits are something we don't ever hear about too much anymore. But obviously Apple is doing one and it's easier potentially to buy fractional shares down the line. Makes you think maybe stock splits will won't happen as much. But Apple did it and maybe uh, with their four to one split more will follow there. Uh, our friends at Bespoke had an awesome stat. Jeff probably saw this. I thought it was amazing. So far, year to date, the top five stocks have added 1.66 trillion in market cap in the S&P 500. The other 495 has lost 1.61 trillion. So again, that just hammers just a different way of hammering home just how these uh, the large stocks have obviously uh, done a great job holding things together. So Jeff, we have well, uh, technically we've got about a minute, but we can go a little over. Uh, this week, we've got jobs. Anything else on your uh, radar? And what do you expect for the jobs number this coming Friday? Yeah, expectations have been falling a little bit. You know, we'll hopefully get a couple million jobs added uh, in July. Hopefully, we'll get a, you know, a percentage point off of the unemployment rate and get it down closer to 10%, which is still as bad as it got during the financial crisis exactly. in uh, 2008. So. Still a very, very high unemployment rate, but uh, has been falling and will hopefully uh, continue to fall. But I think the um, you know, economists are seeing some of this weaker data, and including the jobless claims data from last week, and they have ratcheted down their expectations for Friday's jobs number. Uh, I think consensus has dipped under 2 million new jobs. Um, and then the, uh, the other big data point this week was the ISM. And that was a little bit disappointing. Still over 50, but we did miss expectations in the U.S. Uh, that, again, consistent with the story of the economy uh, leveling off here a little bit over the last couple months as uh, COVID-19 cases have picked up. And when you say ISM, that's the ISM manufacturing data, correct? That one? That's right. Okay, yeah. So we, we did see this morning also some better than expected manufacturing data out of Europe. Um, but a little bit of a disappointment, still expanding in the U.S., but like you said, a little disappointment. So that's kind of the trend we've seen in some of the uh, recent economic data with a 
little bit of weakness, at least for those real-time data points. So, Jeff, yeah, we've hit the end of the road. I want to thank everyone again for being here this week for the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Um, you know, a lot of things going on, earnings season winding up, but a really good earnings season is, is the positive uh, outlook there. And be sure to read this week's weekly market commentary, uh, which will be linked to the show notes here. Um, uh, it's titled Calendar Concerns and Gold Gains, or as Jeff said, gold glistens, but it got shot down. <laughs> so everybody, thanks again for being here. We'll be back next week on the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals Podcast. Thanks, Jeff, as always, for being here, and we'll see everyone next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.